You are listening to episode number seven. In this episode, I'm going to share seven tips that will make baby led weaning not just easier for you, but for your baby as well. I wish I had these seven tips before we started baby led weaning. So I'm hoping they will make your life and baby led weaning journey more enjoyable and easier before you even get started. Hello and welcome to Thriving Foundations Podcast, where we talk all about nourishing your little one from their very first bite and beyond. If you're a holistic, crunchy, or health-conscious mama, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Alyssa, and like you, I'm blessed to be a mother, but I also happen to be a licensed pharmacist who's obsessed with all things natural and holistic. That's right. I'm a crunchy pharmacist, and I've made it my mission to help you optimize the health and development of your little one through protective nourishment so they can grow into their happiest, healthiest, strongest, and smartest self. So if you're hungry for more, let's dive in. All right, the first six episodes were pretty heavy with information, but I hope they inspired you to approach baby led weaning with intention in such a way that helps to defend your child's health from their very first bites and beyond. Now, if you're health conscious and you appreciate a more holistic approach to health, definitely go back and listen to these episodes because I think that you will definitely nerd out and love them. But now I'm going to shift and focus a little bit more on baby led weaning and the following episodes are going to be much lighter and likely the information that you were looking for when you found this podcast. All right, so let's dive in. Tip number one, when starting baby led weaning, focus on just one meal a day, preferably in the morning. So there's a few reasons for this. Baby led weaning, no surprise, is obviously messy. And so focusing on just one meal a day is going to make things a lot less complicated and less overwhelming. I remember when we started, every time we fed my son, it was like this, a bomb went off and it was so messy. And I found that I was starting to dread mealtime because the idea of having to clean up this giant mess was just like, can't we just feed him gummies and veggie straws? (laughs) And so definitely focusing on just one meal a day makes things a little bit less complicated, especially when just starting out. And it's going to make it so that you're not dreading mealtime because everyone can clean up one mess a day, at at least when we're starting. So it makes things less complicated. The second reason is this is going to reduce your baby's risk or the likelihood that they get constipation. So baby is going from drinking strictly liquid to all of the sudden now starting to eat solids. And if you jump up and increase the number of times that they have these solid meals too fast, that can increase their uh, risk for developing constipation. Of course, there are other factors involved, more so the types of foods that you are feeding, but definitely increasing the frequency and the amount of solids too fast can definitely contribute. So that's one reason to just ease into it, focus on just one meal a day and the start, and you will likely not have to worry about that. 
especially if you are feeding kind of gut-friendly foods that are easy to digest and that are not constipating. The third reason is early, I say feed preferably in the morning. This is totally preference. There's not really a right or wrong way, of course, but I found that earlier in the day, babies, your baby is generally happier and more determined and excited to play. Remember that this time, this experience is so new for baby and it can definitely be hard work. The skill of putting something from, you know, the the bowl to their mouth, it does take more motor coordination and it does take work and focus. And so if, if baby is trying to do this when they're tired, when they're overly tired, when they're hungry, um, just, you know, when, as it gets later in the day and they are just kind of over it it can be a lot more frustrating and less enjoyable for baby and harder work for them. So focusing on uh, feeding earlier in the day will help so that your baby is ready and excited and willing to work and play. And then there's another reason for this. So feeding earlier in the day gives gives you the opportunity to monitor your baby if they were to have any type of allergic reaction. So as opposed to if you give your baby the solid foods, you know, at dinner time or just before bedtime, and then you're putting them down, if they were to have any type of allergic reaction, you are not they're down for bed for the night. So you're likely not going to see that. So, um, but it totally depends on you. If you feed at dinner time, it doesn't mean that you can't watch baby, especially if you have an early dinner. So those are just a few reasons why I found um, it was just much easier and more enjoyable to start with one meal a day early in the morning. All right, tip number two, try and approach feeding with a laid back mindset. And one simple way to do that is to shift your focus from feeding baby and baby needs to eat to simply offering foods and offering that opportunity for baby to play and explore the food. I know as parents, we have this innate desire for our children to be well-fed. So when they're not eating very well or they throw the food on the ground, which yes, inevitably will happen, it can be frustrating and stressful. But just remember that this is an extremely new opportunity for baby and the first parts of them learning is playing. That is how babies learn. They learn through play. And so We want to try and promote as much as possible a relaxed environment because this is just going to help hold the space for our little one to be comfortable and develop healthy relationships around mealtime and have it be something that they look forward to and they enjoy because babies are so in tune to our our feelings and our emotions. And if we are stressed, baby's definitely going to pick up on that and pick up on that stress. Now, I want you to think about two scenarios. The first scenario is you are sitting in a room, the TV's on loud, maybe your baby's older brother or sister or other family are over, there's lots of talking, there's lots of noise, maybe you're having a tense discussion with your spouse or partner all while baby is sitting and trying to eat. In the second scenario, you're sitting at the table, maybe you have the windows open, you can hear the birds singing, but other than that, it's quiet and easy to focus. 
In the first scenario, our sympathetic nervous system is more likely to be active. And that means your baby's sympathetic nervous system is more likely to be active. That is the fight or flight state that our nervous system is in when there's a lot of commotion and there's kind of a lot going on around us. Whereas in the second scenario, your baby's parasympathetic is more likely to be active. That is our body's rest and digest state. Now, if we are sitting down to eat a meal, where do we want our nervous system? What part of our nervous system do we want to be active? Our parasympathetics, right? We want our body to be in a state of rest and digest. And why is that? I mean, simply if we are scarfing down food and our sympathetics are active, our digestive system is not going to be functioning optimally. And that can lead to issues, digestive issues that can lead to stomach upset, just everything that can come from not having our digestive system working properly or optimally. And so of course, if we want to help our baby be their happiest, healthiest, strongest, and smartest, we want to help them have optimal digestion. And one simple way to do this is to just kind of set the space around mealtime and help it to be as much as possible a calm and enjoyable experience for a baby. And now this might not seem like a big deal, but we are truly establishing the expectations and the boundaries around mealtime for our little one from the very start. And this is where the whole holistic approach to baby-led weaning comes in because this is these are actually things that will affect our child's health, even though they're not maybe things that we necessarily really think about, but I think they're so important to think about because life is so busy and sometimes we just get caught up in the busyness of life and we sometimes it's easy to forget how these little things can be actually very powerful in terms of promoting a healthy mealtime and eating in our little ones. And another way to help reduce the stress around mealtime is to remember that the first six months, solid foods are really complementary or should be complementary in your baby's diet. So what this means is that most of their nutrients should still be coming from breast milk or formula. And so if they're not eating very much from the start or in the early days or, or weeks or even months of baby led weaning, Try as much as possible not to stress and think that they're not getting sufficient nutrients. However, along that note though, baby still will have a small tummy when even months into baby led weaning, even during the first year of baby led weaning. So this is another reason why making sure that we are feeding nutrient dense foods is important because baby's not eating very much. So we want to make sure that the foods that they are eating are going to be providing them with the critical nutrients that they need to grow. All right. And the third tip, start with just one food and start with a little bit of food. Too much food on baby's tray can definitely be overwhelming. I think back to the first time I offered my son food and I, I laugh because I took a picture and I think I had six different foods and the amount of each food was like a baby size stomach full of each. <laughs> and while I'm sure it was fun for him to play with all of those colors and textures, 
I also think it was a bit overwhelming and distracted him from actually exploring the food for the purposes of eating it. So just start with a little bit and baby will definitely tell you when they want more. And you can, something that's awesome is you can teach your little one basic sign language to help them communicate to you. And you will be surprised how fast they can pick up on this. And so we signed for my son, the sign for more. And even though he didn't do it back, we did it for months. And then all of a sudden, one day he just went mama, mama and signed more. And it was amazing. And so then from that point on, we could rely on him to tell us when he wanted more food. All right. Tip number four, I recommend using a suctioned bowl or plate. Now, this wasn't one that I even really thought about until after we struggled for the first few weeks. I kind of just saw them as something that was cute and not really necessary and more so just like, oh, look, baby is eating food out of a bowl. But I thought that what? why not just throw it on the tray? Why get a bowl dirty? But putting the food in a bowl or a plate actually makes it easier for baby to kind of scoop the food out of the bowl or off the plate rather than struggling to try to pick it up off the tray with their pincer grasp, especially for foods that are kind of slippery and slimy like avocados. And yes, while this can be wonderful for practicing that pincer grasp, when first starting out, it can be frustrating for baby. So what bowls do you get? Of course, there are like every other baby product out there. There is so many different options, but I would definitely recommend one, of course, that suctions because mark my word, if it does not, your baby will pick it up, throw it on the floor and get food everywhere. (laughs) But some other things to consider are the materials that are used to make it and whether or not they're non-toxic. Now, this is a major focus in my online course because our little ones are so much more sensitive to the toxic burden that we place on them. And it's so important for us to be mindful about the foods that we are feeding and the feeding utensils that we are using if we want to help minimize their toxin exposure. Now, my online course will dive deep into this and how you can reduce their toxin exposure through the foods that they're feeding, through the products that you're using, through the utensils, through their water that they're drinking, because I think that this is such an important part of defending our little one's health. And it might actually be one of the most important parts because the foods that we feed And the utensils that we're using are exposing them every single day, multiple times a day. So we want to make sure that we're mindful about helping to reduce their their toxic burden. So there were a few things that I personally was looking for when determining which baby dishes and utensils to use. And I'll link our favorite brand in the show notes. But if you follow me on Instagram, you likely already know which one we like the best because it's in pretty much all of our pictures of feeding my son. (laughs) So, but some things to consider are what are the materials? Are they non-toxic? Are they eco-friendly? And are they sustainably sourced? All right, let's move on to tip number five. Now, before I give you tip number five, I want you to imagine you're eating breakfast and every time you go to take a bite, your spouse or partner comes swooping in with a washcloth to wipe your face. A little distracting and even more so frustrating or quite possibly annoying, right? 
your baby's likely going to have these same feelings if we do this every time they get a little bit of food on their face. So that leads to the fifth tip, expect a mess. Now it's probably easier to just put baby in nothing but a diaper, but there's also products out there like the t-shirt bib that it's like a shirt that covers their arms. So you can use things like that that help kind of cover their clothes so you don't get their clothes dirty. But Remember that this time is supposed to be fun for baby and letting them get a little messy not only is fun, but it actually helps promote sensory development. So letting baby explore these foods, the different temperatures and textures, all is helping to promote sensory development. So try as much as possible to let them eat independently without swooping in with a wet wipe every time they get a little food on their face. Baby has likely watched you eat and giving them the opportunity to eat independently is very empowering for them, even if they get a little messy. And if you haven't listened to episode three yet, I discuss in depth the other benefits to letting your baby eat independently. So definitely check that out. All right, moving on to tip number six. This tip will save you a lot of anxiety and stress. Know the difference between choking and gagging. Know that gagging is normal and actually serves as a protective mechanism. Now, the difference is that gagging is loud and baby will likely get red in the face, whereas choking is silent. Choking is when your baby is not getting any airflow through and therefore they can't make any noise. Your baby will likely gag when starting baby-led weaning. And I want you to think about, when you are in this position, do you think that you should try and open their mouth to get the food out? I feel like this is almost an instinct that we have as parents. And I admit, I have done this. But do not do this because trying to get the food out of the mouth by putting your fingers in their mouth can potentially push the food back even further past their gag reflex, and that could increase the risk for choking. So I know it can be hard, but as much as possible, try and remember that gagging is normal and even expecting it will go a long way in helping you to stay calm and relaxed when it does happen. So this leads to the seventh tip that will also significantly reduce your anxiety and fear around starting baby led weaning. Take a CPR course your baby's life could depend on it. Now, regardless if you're doing baby-led weaning or not, I think it's important for every parent and even grandparent because you just never know. And it could be a life or death situation, regardless if it's food or you know a small little toy or a small little piece of something that they find. Knowing how to effectively perform CPR could be the difference between a potentially devastating situation and saving your baby's life. So I definitely recommend taking a CPR course and you can actually find them online and you could get together with your parents or friends or whoever is watching your baby while you are maybe gone or at work and take the CPR course together so that you guys all have the tools needed in the event that your baby were to choke. So to recap, the seven tips are when starting baby led weaning, focus on just one meal a day, preferably in the morning. Tip number two is approach baby led weaning with a laid back mindset Remember, try as much as possible to keep things calm and enjoyable to really promote that healthy relationship around mealtime. Tip number three, start with just one food and just focus on giving just a little bit to not overwhelm baby. Tip number four, 
the suction bowl. <laughs> Make sure to get a suction bowl. Tip number five, expect a mess. And remember that allowing baby to get messy is promoting sensory development. And this is a form of play for baby. Tip number six, know the difference between gagging and choking. And tip number seven, take a CPR course. All right, that wraps up this episode. I hope these tips helped to make baby led weaning easier or are helping you to approach it with a more laid back and at ease mindset. And I hope it ultimately is more enjoyable for not only you, but your baby as well. If you found these tips helpful, make sure to follow me on Instagram for more daily tips and recipes and ideas. Until next time, remember, it's much easier to defend your child's health than it is to fight to get it back once it's lost. And mama, you have the power and the duty through protective nourishment to do that. Hey guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, for legal purposes, the information presented in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not meant to be used to diagnose or treat any medical condition or to replace the advice of a physician or medical practitioner. Please see your child's healthcare provider before starting any new protocol or implementing any of the things talked about in this podcast. Some of the views and information shared here are not widely accepted by the medical community and may actually be considered complementary, functional, alternative, holistic, or integrative medicine and may not be endorsed by governmental institutions or aligned with governmental guidelines. You are encouraged to consult other sources to make independent judgments to determine what is best for your child.